We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It was a tough week for our intrepid hosts as our respective teams went down in flames. It was a tougher week for Matt Rule. We have our first coach firing. It was a tough week for the Packers as well. All that, that, and more as Nick and I recap our top 10 reactions to NFL Week 5. Hey everybody, welcome to Rotowire and the fantasy football podcast that we have here. And we uh, got a lot to cover. Uh, and our, as always, our podcast is brought to you by the good folks at No House Advantage. Nick, it was a tough week for us, man. Really tough week. Except for <laughs> college, you were you were pretty good. For me, it was just mm-hmm. no more the never-ending misery that comes with Northwestern. <sighs> yeah, well, we, we went head-to-head in college. So one of us had to at least get a victory there. And yeah, I, I consider myself lucky that it was me and the Wisconsin Badgers because, man, Sunday rolled around. And I think the Packers took pretty easily their worst loss of the Matt LaFleur era Uh, I think if you go by the spread it was their worst loss in like five or six years that was extremely ugly Um, I mean I I, I was pretty confident coming into this week that they had their letdown last week against the Patriots it wouldn't happen again that would be the wake-up call Uh, but man I mean a lot of the same issues from last week I think reared their heads once again and and Green Bay for so long feels like it's been able to to kind of skate by on talent and you know games like this they they can always turn it on and, and get a score when they need to but Wow. I mean, a disgusting second half by Aaron Rodgers, who's been really bad for, for about half of the season. And then, of course, in the noon window, my lock of the week, my, my survivor pick, the Jaguars. I was so confident. I, I really thought this was a good team. I was telling you, you know, around this time last week that despite losing to the Eagles, despite Trevor Lawrence turning it over five times, I came away encouraged that they only lost that game by one score. And man, I've got a complete 180. I, I, the Jaguars might be back to being the Jaguars at this point. And I mean, more than anything, a really, really concerning performance by Trevor Lawrence, who is one of the three worst quarterbacks in the league. He's lost them single-handedly the last two games. And to me, the ship is starting to sail on Trevor Lawrence ever being an ultra-elite quarterback. I mean, I'm not saying he can't be a good starter, but I think by now we would have seen some signs. And if anything, it looks like he's now regressing after a pretty encouraging start. Yeah, uh, I wasn't. I, so that was the first game I rewatched because I missed the second half of that game and because uh, of my soccer duties. Uh, so I'm always doing the catch up in there. And of course, there's like nine games in the early slate. So there's a lot to catch up on. You know, first of all, they outgained the, the Texans like by about 140 yards. Uh, I, 
I wasn't as discouraged from Lawrence. He had uh, the one bad end zone t- uh, interception. There was a like he was throwing a little high. I thought at times uh, the very first drive, there was a third down pass that went off the hands of uh, Zay Jones. I thought it was catchable, but later on there were other ones he was just high on. You know they they they, they didn't convert a fourth and three. They didn't convert a fourth and one. They had the fumble. They had uh, you know the interception obviously in the end zone. I mean honestly they. You know, they had the terrible penalty by Trayvon Walker. I mean, that kept the, the one touchdown drive by the Texans going. Honestly, I you know, I was stunned that James Robinson couldn't get untracked in this game. 10 for 27. That's He was like a top 10 bag for me this week. I thought it was a perfect get-well game for him. There's no weather conditions whatsoever. I'm not super discouraged. I mean, the defense played well for the, for the Jaguars in this game. I think they just... I mean, I think they were just off just a little bit. I'm not as despondent about Lawrence as you are. Yeah, I, maybe I need to be a little bit easier on him, but I think you have to take into account the the pedigree that we're talking about here. I mean, this is not mm-hmm. just some – this isn't Davis Mills, you know, just a, you know, happy when he plays well. You don't expect him to play all that well. I mean, this is supposed to be the guy. That's the thing, you know, and I, that's where, you know, to me, I don't, I don't really think it is too harsh to say, like, this is somebody that, you know, realistically a lot of people thought would be – in that Mahomes, Herbert, Rogers, Brady type of trajectory, uh, you know, early in his career, and he's just hasn't shown signs of it. And you know, it's one thing to, you know, to kind of be a game manager and, and maybe not show those crazy elite flashes of the type of throws that you see from from Herbert and Mahomes. That's fine, but you can't be out there losing your team games. I mean, that interception in the end zone that might have been the worst pick that anybody's thrown all year. Um, you know, Jacoby Brissett had had one for the Browns this week as well. That that probably yeah. rivals it. But I mean, that was an unbelievably bad decision. Like you said, he's sailing throws left and right. Uh, just hasn't shown, you know, the signs of, of elite quarterback play uh, that you'd like to see by now. So, you know, to me, I, I, I'm just, I've watched pretty much every Trevor Lawrence snap over the last year and a quarter. And I just don't see it. I don't see it. It's pretty disappointing. I mean, to me, it reminds me a lot of like the Andrew Wiggins situation in the NBA, we're like, Andrew Wiggins wasn't bad. Andrew Wiggins won rookie of the year. You know, he's, he's been a very good player. He's an NBA champion. He's not the guy that we thought he would be coming out of college. And, and to me, right. I, I kind of feel like, you know, through these first like 20 games or so of Trevor Lawrence's career, like that's, that's the kind of vibes that I'm getting. Yeah. Um, a rich man's Baker Mayfield. Well, <laughs> hopefully it never reaches the depths that we've seen uh, from Baker Mayfield this season, which Yikes, man. I mean, you mentioned Matt Rule in the intro. Uh, he was let go by the Panthers about you know an hour or so before we started recording here. Pretty predictable, right? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if we want to jump all the way to that game, but 37-15, 49ers, I think we saw this one coming a mile away. Yeah, we did. We'll get to that one in a bit. I, I want to finish up on – we'll finish up on ripping off the Jacksonville-Houston Band-Aid. Uh, but, uh, you know, a the, the couple things. I don't, One of the things is there's not that elite – wide receiver christian kirk is pretty good but he's not one that's going to be once he's all of a sudden now teams are like okay he is the guy we have to shut him down he can't beat that mm-hmm. zay jones is a guy that's freely available for everyone basically he he's had his moments he's going to be a thing in this offense they don't have a stud, a stud tight end um they i mean i just don't think they have like that elite crew uh you know he does it's not like he has higgins and chase to work with um now we don't have Higgins to work with right now, anyhow. Right. But uh, again, another aside. Uh, I, I, it, I, I want to preach patience, patience here, but patience does require some more growth. I, th- you know, I don't know. I think he was never as great as he was being portrayed in after weeks two and three, and he's not as bad as he was yesterday. 
I think he's there, it's mm-hmm. somewhere. The truth is somewhere in between. But yeah, you're right. He he was really bad yesterday. Right. Well, the problem is if if you know the truth is, is that he's kind of a middle of the road quarterback. That still mm-hmm. feels like a disappointment relative to expectations. Sure. So I think that's where I'm coming from with that argument. Um, you know, and for this to happen against Houston, that's the thing. I mean, Lawrence aside, I, I thought I was with you. I thought this was going to be a monster spot for James Robinson. I mean, we've seen teams run all over this Houston defense. And mm-hmm. while Lawrence killed them, you know, not being accurate through the air, they could not get anything going, especially with Robinson on the ground. I mean, they did get to like almost 140 yards as a team, but Travis Etienne had a couple of long ones that accounted for the bulk of that total. I mean, Etienne had over half of their rushing yards in this game. 10 carries for 27 yards for James Robinson yeah. against the Houston Texans. So to me, like it's one thing to lose this game, to have a letdown, to look bad on offense. If you're the Jags, um, they've, they've sneakily been terrible on fourth downs too. that. They've been very aggressive. Yes. And I think they're now like four of 11 or four for 12 on fourth down. So that that's kind of been a, a sneaky thorn in the side of this offense, but you just can't have this happen at home against Houston. I, you know, this game against almost any other team, I'd be willing to say, okay, you know, it's a blip on the radar, but, Man, I mean, this is supposed to be the, the easy win of all easy wins on the schedule. So to let that one slip, and, you know, lose a division game while every other team, you know, the Colts and the Titans both win. Um, you know, I, I, w- I was talking myself into like betting Jags to win the AFC South, you know, betting, betting Jags to make the playoffs, <laughs> doing all that. Like I've just done a total reversal now um, after this game. I mean, this was this was shockingly poor uh, by the Jacksonville offense. You mentioned the Trayvon Walker play, by the way, the penalty. That, that's as bad as I've seen. I, I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah. You know, it, some people said, oh, he maybe he didn't hear the whistle. Even so, that even if that play had been played out and it wasn't blown dead, I still think you get a personal foul. For body slamming a foul. guy. Yeah. yeah so that, was, that was really concerning, I guess, to, to show a lack of discipline there from a guy who's been off to a good start. But yeah, this, this really had the feel of, of the same old Jags type of game. And um, I, I really have no other notes. I mean, it, it was rough. The Bengals lost to the Jets last year. Just reminding you that. They did they went to the Super Bowl. Okay, it's it's <laughs> it's it's not early, but it's not late either. Um, oh, you're right. You're right. And the AFC South is forgiving. There's nothing. It, you're only a game out in the AFC South. Exactly. And you haven't played Tennessee yet. Yeah. Uh, you have a, and you have a win in hand against the Colts. The Colts though are o two and one in the division, yet they're a half game out in the AFC South. So you're in the right division. So mm-hmm. there's that. Speaking of the Colts, let's talk about that atrocity of a game on Thursday night. Oh my gosh! I tweeted out, "Is this?" I mean, this is this is inner circle worst football NFL games ever. I mean, it it's yeah. it's way way higher down on the list depending on how you want to phrase it. Um, this was art. It wasn't just it was performance art. It wasn't just bad. It was really bad. And we found out after the fact. Okay, mm-hmm. Russ is playing with a, t- a partially torn labrum in his shoulder. Okay, okay, might go out disclose that ahead of time, guys. But anyways, what? I mean, there, there was so many bad things in this game. Yeah, I mean the thing is we've seen uh, we've seen plenty of low scoring games. You know, it's not like this one was all that unique in that regard, but it wasn't a game where, you know, sometimes there'll be a game that's like 9 to 6 and you come away thinking like, man, that was fun. Those defenses, man, they were they were both playing so well. Like right. even even you think back to like Broncos 49ers from a couple of weeks ago, it's like it wasn't pretty, but it wasn't ugly. It was it was more of a game where you just felt really good about the defenses. This was not the case at all. I mean, neither defense, I don't even think, played that well. It was just offensive ineptitude after offensive ineptitude. Um, I, I mean, Matt Ryan was awful in this game. I believe he had two more fumbles, uh, pushing his total up to 11 uh, as he lurks closer and closer to yes. shattering that 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 record. Lots of look-ins. Let's go. I cannot, yes, I cannot wait to keep tracking that as the season goes on. Um, I mean, it was... Denver, I, I the thing is, like with Indianapolis, I expected this. You know, especially you. Not only are you out 
you know, Jonathan Taylor, but you also lose Naheem Hines on like the first play of the game. So you're up against it big time at that point. It's acceptable for Indianapolis to have an ugly offensive showing against what we think is a pretty good Broncos defense on the road down two weapons. Like I get that, but for Denver, man, I mean, I'm just waiting for this team to snap out of this at some point. And, and maybe I just need to throw my preseason notion away. Like there's so much talent on this offense and, and losing Javante Williams is tough, but I, I've, I've just been so wrong about Russell Wilson. This is one of my worst calls ever. Like I really thought that the change of scenery w- would kind of awaken something and he would have this nice little late prime renaissance in Denver. And I mean, I, I'm just shocked that, that he seems to be as much of the issue at this point as, as Nathaniel Hackett, you know, and, and like, it almost seems like they're, they're like aligned in steering this ship amiss where, whereas the rest of the team is standing by like, what are we doing here guys? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the final play, just as an example, uh, you know, just yeah. the vision what isn't there. I mean, right. the, the decision-making is not there. I mean, the decision that the throw at the end of the regulation, just stunningly bad. Crazy. I mean, you're, you're trying to go for style points, for cover points there. And yes, as someone who was on the, uh, the Broncos, I appreciated their effort for my, uh, and, and <laughs> you know, looking out for me, but my goodness, I mean, that was just a bad yeah. throw. I mean, and you know, if you know that you've got a shoulder problem, even if you're not, the rest of the world doesn't. Fact is, you shouldn't be trying that threat play there. And he, he's like trying to make throws he can't make right now, and it's tough. You know, and you know, you're seeing a lot of chatter out of Seattle. Like, yeah, yep, we're not surprised by this. I mean, like, you know, they're they're enjoying that right now in Seattle. They they have a bad team, but they're enjoying this right now. Maybe they're a, they're not even a bad bad team. They're a middle bad team. Uh, but they might uh, be what they're, they're on the short list of the most fun teams to watch. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Gino there. Seattle is basically like Geno Smith's West Virginia team back in the day. I mean, he, he had like an eight touchdown game in college. People forget about that. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I mean, they've been really fun. The defense is like un- unbelievably bad. I mean, there's some, some of the plays that the saints were able to rip off yesterday were, were borderline comical, but the Seahawks offense seems pretty legit. You know, you lose Rashad Penny. We just got news this morning that he's done for the year with yeah. that broken fibula. That that's a big hit, but I mean, we were really concerned. Like I, I thought coming into the year, for the most part, I avoided DK Metcalf. I avoided Tyler Lockett. I thought that there was a chance that Seattle's passing game could suffer a lot of the same issues that we've seen from Carolina and from Pittsburgh this season. That has not been the case at all. I mean, I've, I've, maybe I've been as wrong about Geno as I have about Russell Wilson. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I, I did a sneaky ads video this morning with Alan, and mm-hmm. we talked about Walker's the captain obvious pickup, obviously. Uh, not only is, did he have the 69 yard touchdown, but also, I mean, and he's gone, they're not going to go DJ Dallas, Travis Homer. They're not going to use those guys on a, mm-hmm. uh, the same way that they split Penny and Walker Walker's the guy now, uh, he, he's thrust in this action. Gino's a pickup too, though. Uh, and part oh, yeah. because this is a ticket to the carnival every single week. Uh, you gotta love it. And I'm going to be all over that going forward. Uh, they get a home game against Arizona this week and Arizona is not a terrible matchup, but it's. Also, at the same time, it, it's not one I'm, gonna, I'm. It's not one I'm eager to go with, but it's one I will go with. Uh, I think Geno Smith might be a top twelve quarterback. That is a take. Top top twelve quarterback for the rest of the season. He's four right now, so yeah. You know, obviously, he, he, he's some room to go down, but I think he's a startable quarterback. And I I made a mistake not starting him this week. I did. Uh, well, we'll talk about that when it comes to it there, because I, I got a let's just say I got a big fat zero from my second quarterback slot. Um, you can guys can figure it out from there. Mm. But was that was that a Teddy Bridgewater start? Yeah, it was. Oh it was. boy, it was brutal. Oh boy, brutal. Uh, before we move on, quick note from our friends on Blue Wire. Uh, they host all of our podcasts, so we play their ads. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Thanks for your indulgence there. Uh, thanks to the Blue Wire, Blue Wire Network for hosting our podcast. Let's talk about the London game. Uh, Packers and the Giants. My take here is that the Giants are legitimately the better team. It, it, I, I, at least they were in the second half. This was not a, oh, we, you know, we, we, we stopped paying attention. We let them back in the game. The Giants took it to them. They dominated both lines. You mentioned Rodgers had a bad game. Uh, but also, uh, you know, I, I think the Giants figure some things out. And they're just, they have no receivers at all. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Darius Slayton actually looked okay. But they found ways to free up Barkley. They found all these other guys. Daniel Jones looked good. Uh, wasn't great in the first half, but he looked really good in the second half. And the, the Packers couldn't get anything going. They went away from their running game, which I think was a big Yet mistake. Yet again. Yet again. Yeah. Yep. Uh, until their final drive. And then all of a sudden they rediscovered Aaron Jones and uh, exists mm-hmm. and AJ Dillon exists, but it was too little too late. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm dumbfounded at how badly the Packers played, but got to give credit to the giants. Giants are a well-coached team. Yeah. I, I think Dable's got it on a string. I think Mike Kafka is a really good play caller. Yeah. Uh, I like what he's done as an offensive coordinator in his first run as an offensive coordinator. The play calling with this one was exquisite. So many good calls on this in this game. Absolutely. And I, I thought Daniel Jones, given his limitations, both as a quarterback and physically in this game with the ankle, played about as well as he could have. And in Green Bay, I mean, this was just a another sleepwalking effort by the Packers. I, I, I do think they're the better team. I, I know the Giants are sitting there at four and one now. Um, you know, and, and I think you're, you're spot on about all that coaching analysis. I, I think the Giants have by far done more with less than any other team. Mm-hmm. in the league so far. I think there's, I mean, with a different coaching staff, this team could easily be one and four or zero oh and five, given all the injuries and the lack right. of talent at receivers. So, I mean, to be four and one is a monumental accomplishment. And this is a big time win um, in what felt like a home game for green Bay. I mean, London kind of went all out to make this feel like a Packers home game as much as they could. So I don't think that's that much of an excuse for green Bay. Um, the, the Packers just have no identity on offense at all. I mean, this was like the third game this year where Matt LaFleur is up there at the podium afterwards saying, well, you know, we got to do a better job staying dedicated to the run, you know. So the Giants go down and tie this game. Uh, I think it was at 20, 2020 at one point. And you just had that feeling. You know, I'm sitting there watching it uh, with, with some family members and everybody's like quick three and out coming. We, we've seen this a hundred times. This is the Packers MO. This is how they lose every playoff game. They get punched. They never, ever punch back. It's a front running team. And what happens? Aaron Rodgers launches three straight incomplete deep shots. Quick yep. three and out. Giants get the ball back, go down, score. Game's basically over at that point. And, you know, I, they, they keep saying they want to dedicate themselves to the run. 
<laughs> the run is effective. They average, you know, five yards of carry with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. And yet, you know, when, when push comes to shove and you need a score, it's the Randall Cobb raid offense. That's basically what we saw which was Aaron Rodgers targeting Randall Cobb as much as he could. I mean, it's, it's really bleak right now. And, and honestly, like I, I feel worse about the Packers defense you know, to me. That's you talk about doing, uh, doing less with more. There's so much talent on this defense and they just look discombobulated. They look really, really poorly coached. I, I saw a stat this morning that the Packers are, are second in the league in terms of passing yards allowed second best. So 31st, however you want to phrase that. And yet they have given up by far the most yards of any team on crossing routes alone. So they're just getting killed. Like whenever a, a defender needs to pass off a receiver to another guy, it's just not happening. And, and that, that stat absolutely passes the eye test. Yeah. The, the Barkley play, uh, that right. was, that was a cross and there was no pass off. It was just boom, gone for 45 yards. He made one tackler miss, but he also got a 20 yard run before he faced a defender. I mean, it was, it was remarkable how wide open it was. And it's yeah. the prime guy. How do you lose Barkley? How do you pass off Barkley and not have that all lined up on a string? They yeah. in the first half they had Barkley bottled up. You know they tried to run a screenplay to Barkley, and all that meant was is just a slower developing play to Barkley because that's all they were counting on. Darius Slayton stepped up for the Giants. I got to give him a little bit of credit. That was a big big aspect of this game. Uh, I I really do think that they needed someone, anyone to step up in the receiving game, and Slayton did. This not a guy that we is not the first guy coming around either. You know Richie James, whatever. You know, yeah. David Sills. Okay. He make nice little player. Bellinger had that run. What, you know, all these are nice things. Slayton's actually a player. And I think he's the one guy that played yesterday in the receiving core for the giants. That's got some staying power. Uh, they're eventually going to get Tony back. I don't right. know about Galladay. I don't know what they, we, they can expect. I don't from know. Them. Wendell, uh, Ro- Wendell Robinson. We haven't seen yet, but someday we'll see something from him. I think that's your trio. I, I think yeah. that, you know, but I think Slayton will, I think he earned himself some staying power in this offense. I think so too. Six for 79 on seven targets. Um, I mean, he was the guy that Daniel Jones was looking for when they needed to convert. And I mean, coming into this game, Green Bay had not allowed a third down conversion on third or third and eight or longer. And I mean, I don't know how many they allowed in this game. It was at least three or four. I mean, the Giants were converting third downs at an alarming rate in that second half. But um, I mean, it's still, it's just astounding to look at the names in this receiving core um, and see this team put up 27 points. I mean, that that's, it's what, I mean, obviously the Packers need to score more than 22, but I think allowing 27 to this team with Daniel Jones on a bum ankle. And, you know, I actually thought they contained Saquon Barkley pretty well, uh, other than the long 40 yarder, there wasn't a ton of running room for Saquon, but um, yeah, I mean, this Packers team, it, it just, it kind of, it reeks of a team that I think thinks of itself as being significantly better than it is. And I'm, I'm really not sure where the season goes from here. I, I think they still make the playoffs, but um, you know, you got to start questioning the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, I think you do a little bit there. Um, so your Jaguars lost, uh, your kind of sort of Packers lost my Bengals lost third loss by a field goal this year. They could easily be five and zero. Um, they are not, they are two and three. The good news is they're in the right division. I mean, the, the Ravens are three and two. We have a one game lead, but and the head to head now. Mm-hmm. Bengals have lost two in the division, and that that's that's not great. Uh, but I don't think it's all all is lost here. T. Higgins was a big zero point zero. Uh, it turns out that ankle was worse than they uh, alluded to. He rolled it in game. He did get ten snaps, so it wasn't like he was wasn't on the field at all. Just didn't yeah. seem like it. No targets. Uh, Mixon actually ran a little bit better. They had the big drive at the end of the game. I, I, I think this was one of those coulda, shoulda, woulda games. I mean, they had the fourth. Yeah. It was their turn to have a fourth down uh, goal line situation. It didn't work out. They ran that silly little 
Pat Mahomes play. <sighs> so unnecessary. I mean, they had, they had a Just, first and two at the Baltimore two yard line. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it was an incomplete pass, uh, a sack. Uh, of that was Tyler, Tyler Boyd. Boyd. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, they, they, they get it back to what the two yard line had that, that kind of slant to chase. Yeah. looks like he almost gets in and then, yeah, I don't know. Stanley Morgan <laughs> shovel pass on, on fourth, the goal, man. I, I get the same vibes watching the Bengals as I do watching the chargers. It's like Zach Taylor and Brandon Staley make a lot of the same, just like, what are you thinking type of decisions? And, and in a lot of ways, it, it kind of feels like they're holding back super, super talented teams. And, you know, it was nice to get to get uh, Joe Mixon going in this game. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I mean, finally had a, a reasonable yards per carry average, but I don't know. I, I still, it just feels like, you know, that the Cincinnati offense should be so much more explosive and, and not having T Higgins is big. I don't think we can understate that, but right. Yeah. It just, you know, this was like the worst pass secondary in the league coming into tonight. And I, I just feel like Cincinnati didn't really attempt to exploit it as much as it should have. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that secondary is better than, I think they had that Miami game that skews everything. Yeah, that's true. I don't think they're really that bad. Uh, they played a lot of zone and, you know, Bengals. I mean, when you only, when you're losing one of your big advantages, it hurts. Hayden Hurst looked pretty good. He was a yeah. pretty decent option. Kind of disappointed. We didn't see more of Boyd in the passing game actually. Uh, right. But the, the, the other thing that was a killer was that interception by Burrow right after the Bengals stopped the Ravens on fourth down. Yeah. Uh, again, see also the zone defense. Uh, Burrow didn't see the guy and, it, it took away a lot of the slants, um, which is that, that that's tough. I actually thought the offensive line played pretty well for the Bengals. Uh, three, yeah. 20, uh, there's three sacks. For, uh, and I, I, I think they got to burrow early, but after those first three or four series, I think the Bengals offense was actually pretty steady. Uh, this was just a, a good divisional game. I, I don't think it was as bad as people were making it out to be. And I, I'm, I'm not really that discouraged. I'm not upset that they didn't take more time to score the touchdown. When you yeah. have a touchdown, it's never a given. I mean, how many times have we seen teams fail from the one or two, including the Bengals earlier? So the fact that they scored right after the two-minute warning, I tweeted yep. this out. They have a they have a decade of time, and they do have Justin Tucker, but I don't see any other way for the Bengals. I wasn't upset about that. I just they couldn't get the stop when they needed it, and Justin Tucker is a god. Right, and I, I saw you tweeting about the the decision, you know, to score at at that certain time. I'm with you on that. I think you just got to punch it in, especially coming off of a a goal line trip that you couldn't punch it. You know, I think at that mm-hmm. point, it's just get the points on the board. Right. We'll deal with it after that. Um, you know, I mean, defensively too, I, I actually thought, I mean, Lamar Jackson played easily his worst game of the year. He, he looked good early on and and then he missed like three straight throws, had that interception uh, where he just completely overthrew Demarcus Robinson. Um, and from there, you kind of didn't really feel like they, they had that same type of energy that they had come out with. So I, I didn't really hate right. the idea of saying like, look, I think we could prevent these guys. You know, they're going to be starting deep in their own territory. Like we, we, we could get a stop here. Like I, I, I think it was reasonable to expect the Cincinnati defense to at least put up a, a bigger fight than they did. But man, it felt like, you know, on that last drive, and it seems like it always goes like this, right? Like the, the Ravens had struggled to move the ball the entire second half. And then all of a sudden when they need to, you know, it's Mark Andrews for 12 yards, Mark Andrews for 15 yards, all of a sudden you're at the 45 yard line and it feels like the game's over. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't fault the decision-making at all. Um, I, I'm still, the Bengals are the team that I will not quit this year. I, I, there's just too much talent for them to be sitting at two and three. I think they've had an unlucky start. Uh, but they they need to make some hay over these next couple of weeks because their schedule at the end of the season picks up and, and becomes really difficult. But you know, next few weeks here, you get the Saints, the Falcons, the Browns, the Panthers, the Steelers, and the Titans. All those very winnable games. You know, maybe yep. you, you can't expect to go six and zero, oh, but I mean, you, you should have a pretty good chance to go five and one there. 
Yeah, I'm I'm not too despondent actually. Uh, this is this is it. You know, it was one that we gave away. You know, these are opportunities lost. You can't get them back, but it's also you know not over. And as we learned, you just got to get in the tournament. Um, yep. and, you know that that's the whole goal here. So there's still plenty of time. The expanded playoffs help with that a little bit too. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm not despondent yet, but you know we we will come back. We will look back and regret this loss. I think we'll regret the the Steelers loss way more though. I mean that was that one's like. That's looking pretty rough. So let's talk about the Steelers, actually. Let's talk about the Steelers and the Bills. Uh, this one, I mean, Bills, this one was over early. I mean, the Bills jumped them 35-3 to three at halftime. They got, they got them early at the first touchdown pass. I mean, Josh Allen went nuts. Uh, you know, Gabe Davis, the 98-yarder on the first drive. I mean, you're, if you started Gabe Davis, you're like, all right, I'm going to win this week uh, after one drive, and that always mm-hmm. feels good. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I, I have Gabe Davis in, in two leagues, so it was kind of nice to, to be getting those notifications. Like, Gabe Davis is in the red zone. It felt like it was coming up, like, you know, every three minutes in that first half. Um, you know, we I, I talked about this game with, with John McKechnie on the sports betting pod last week, and, you know, we were, we were trying to talk scenarios like, you know, is there a way that Kenny Pickett, you know, comes out and, you know, looks better than we expect, and Buffalo has a bit of a letdown, and, you know, maybe they keep this close for a half. I mean, that was out the window as, as soon as that 98-yarder uh, went off the board for Gabe Davis. And honestly, this could have been a lot worse. I mean, there were a couple drives in that first quarter for Buffalo that stalled out, um, you know, after the long touchdown, uh, it, it kind of felt like they were, they were knocking on the door for some more points. And then of course they called off the dogs in the second half, only scoring seven points, no touchdowns at all in the third quarter. But yeah, I mean, this was a, a, a full on decimation, but for Kenny Pickett, I mean, got to 52 attempts. If you did throw him in there and, you know, in like a super flex league as your second quarterback, he threw the pick. He didn't get in the end zone, but 327 yards on 34 of 52. So even though this was a beatdown, uh, if you're a Steelers fan, like, you know, at least George Pickens, six for 83, Deontay Johnson, five for 60, Chase Claypool, five for 50. This is really the first time all year that even two Pittsburgh receivers have been viable in the same game, let alone all three of those guys putting up decent numbers. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, Claypool kind of viable at five for 50. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, and the running game did zero zilch nada. Uh, but then again, right. see also down 35 to three at halftime. So whatever. Uh, but yeah. Are you concerned if you are Najee Harris manager right now? I am pretty concerned. And yeah, I, I have him in one important league. It, it hasn't been great. I mean, he's one of those guys that, you know, based on the level of investment, it's just hard to to find a better option who you feel mm-hmm. good about. I, I, in that league, I happen to have Rashad Penny, you know, and now that's that's off the table. So I probably, I'm not going to have much of a choice but to start Najee Harris most weeks. And I, I think, right. you know, right now in, in standard leagues, I mean, he's barely inside the top 30. Uh, in PPR, he doesn't rank a whole lot higher. He's at 27th through five games. Um, I mean, it hasn't been good. It hasn't been good. I, I think the rest of the way you kind of have to hope for, you know, I, I don't think you might not have a hundred yard game the rest of the way. I, I think that's conceivable, but you need to hope for one of those like 15 carries, 75 yards, three or four catches. And then he, he finds his way into the end zone on like a two yard touchdown. Like, I, I just think it's going to be a really frustrating slog the rest of the way. They get Tampa Bay next week too. So oh, oh no. yeah. it, at least it's in Pittsburgh, but yeah, this is this is baptism by fire. And in fact, yep. I think if I recall correctly, like the next three games are all pretty tough defenses for Pittsburgh. So it doesn't get a whole lot easier. In fact, I will tell you, uh, it's, it's it's Miami, okay, Eagles, and then Saints, and then Bengals again. So uh, yeah, it could be worse, but Tampa this week is a tough one there, and it doesn't get worse than the Bills, obviously. On the Buffalo side, 
Obviously, Gabe Davis, his ankle's fine now. So good, good to see. Uh, with no Crowder, no McKenzie, no uh, uh, Jake Kumaro, no Dawson Knox, Khalil Shakir played a part in this game. Three for 75 and a touchdown. I do think he's got an opportunity to make himself a regular part of this offense going forward. They drafted him uh, with some expectations that he could contribute. I know there's some people on the, on the Debbie Dynasty side that were pretty excited about Shakir. Yeah, you were, you were on this last week. Uh, you know, I think we talked about it a little bit with Alan, but you brought him up multiple times as you know somebody to, to kind of target under the radar, and that, that paid off handsomely. Three for 75 and the touchdown on only five targets. Uh, we'll see you know, how much time Isaiah McKenzie misses. I, I think mm-hmm. you know, Shakir's viability, at least in the short term, is tethered pretty closely to Isaiah McKenzie, but he, he looked really good. I, I thought he looked great, and, and Josh Allen certainly looked comfortable targeting him. Um, I, I need to make a point to, to mention the second touchdown by Gabe Davis, by the way, ripping that oh, one away yeah. from Mika Fitzpatrick. That was, that was an insane play. It looked like Fitzpatrick kind of had the, the better grip on the ball to maybe rip that away. And I mean, that was one of the more unique touchdowns I can remember. I mean, he truly did not really realize who was, you know, what was going to happen there, whether it was going to be a pick or a touchdown until the last moment. And Davis was just so casual about it. You know, like there, yeah. there wasn't like a scrum for the ball. It was just kind of at the last moment. Like I'm, I'm going to grab this from you now and we're going to get the touchdown. Right. And, and the first touchdown, it was a one-handed catch too. I mean, yeah. 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 He, he was putting on a show and you know, he only, only needed three, uh, but that was, that was plenty. Uh, for that game, yeah. And for Minka Fitzpatrick, who's such a ball hawk, to, to lose that battle was pretty extraordinary. Yeah, not many receivers in the league, I, I think, that that could pull that off uh, in the way that Gabe Davis is. But, yeah, good to have him back. You know, he banged up a little mm-hmm. bit, had the big week one, um, you know, starting to pay off for, for those of us who invested. Yeah. By the way, 31-3 to three at halftime, not 35-3. to three. I misspoke mm-hmm. there. Our, our misadded, as the case may be, miscalculated. James Cook with the late touchdown, 4 for 31. Nice to see him get some action, even though it yeah. was garbage time. It was, but yeah, nice run by him. I mean, 24-yard scamper, pulled away from everybody. Uh, I think that's the, the type of impact you're hoping to see from him. Like you said, garbage time, game's essentially over. Uh, had, had a couple of late scrums in this game. You know, it was getting a little yep. bit chippy. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett took exception to a hit from, uh, I, think, I think it was Lawson yeah. late in the game that, that kind of set some people off. Um, you know, I think it, somebody got ejected from this game at one point as well. Uh, so it did get a little bit ugly at the end, but, uh, yeah, like you said, um, you know, James Cook, who I think landed in like the mini doghouse early on by fumbling on his first NFL carry. But I, I do think as the year progresses, he's going to have more and more of a role. And, and he, he was at least getting the nod over Zach Moss late in the game. Yeah, it was interesting. Singletary had like an 85% snap share last week, didn't have that this week. But then again, it was, I mean, it's, I feel like this is such an an anomalous game uh, in terms of of some of the usage stats uh, that it's not that bankable. Uh, Before we move on to Chargers and Browns, quick note from our friends at No House Advantage. No, No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Playing pick 'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app. Choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot of at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code NHAWIRE. That's NHA Wire at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined 
because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Big thanks to No House Advantage for sponsoring us all football season long. The Chargers had a big comeback. They acted against DNA, Nick, and they came back to beat the Browns 30-28. to Well, then again, the Browns also have copious DNA as far as that goes. I mean, the Browns absolutely um, you know, missed huge opportunities to put this game away, like four separate times. And, I mean, the Chargers tried to hand it to them one last time in the fourth quarter, uh, going forward on, on a fourth and one from their own 46. And, you know, despite uh, the Browns getting the ball back in, in their territory there, um, you know, they end up losing a yard uh, and setting up a longer field goal for Cade York, uh, who, who pushes yeah. a 54-yarder. Not a great day for Cade York. Uh, that, that's for sure. Missed another field goal uh, just before halftime. Uh, and, and that one, you know, at the time even, I mean, felt like kind of a killer for yeah. Cleveland, you know, which had already blown that, that, that early 14 nothing lead. Uh, I mean, this in, in a lot of ways was kind of a, a junior version of last year's, I think it was what, like 45, 42 uh, game yep. between these two teams in week five. Um, just, you just felt like neither team could stop the other. And, you know, I, I mentioned at the top when we were talking about Lawrence, Jacoby Brissett, man, an absolute killer interception late in this game with under three minutes to play third down. Uh, it was, I think it was third and seven, but it was basically third and goal at that point. And, you know, you're, you're down to all you need to, to do is make sure you don't have a turnover, you right. take the easy field goal. You're at least up one. You're not guaranteed to win at that point. Still plenty of time for the chargers, but you, you at least take the lead and he just throws an, an unconscionable interception, um, which at that, at the time felt like the end of it. And, you know, of course the, the chargers, you know, find a way to give the ball back to Cleveland. I mean, Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett has three interceptions on the year and all three have essentially lost the game for Cleveland. Two of the three have, have for sure lost the game. One of them was a little bit more of a Hail Mary type of throw, but all three picks have come, you know, under three minutes left in the fourth quarter of a one score game. Yep. Brutal. And we knew Brissett was going to be a problem for this Cleveland team, uh, which has a good roster. We, we, we keep on beating that drum, banging that drum. It's, it's a good roster. Uh, it's a defense. Wasn't as strong as they, I thought they'd be. Uh, in fact, you know, their run defense is hideous, which mm-hmm. surprises me how bad it is actually. Uh, Eckler went off. Not that it's uh, any shame for Eckler to go off against you, but they allowed a 71 yard touchdown run 16 for 173. Even if you take away the 71 yard touchdown, it's still 15 for a hundred. I mean, it's still gat getting gashed. Joshua Kelly, yeah. who uh, Alan mentions in our sneaky ads video, went 10 for 49 as the pivot. You know, is their their change of pace guy? He's pretty firmly established now as the number two. Sony Michelle got one carry, did nothing with it, and just be gone with that. Don't 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 you know? It's just that you're only complicating matters when you use him. You're only lessening your chances when you go to your third string guy. Uh, this isn't a guy that's just aching to play. But anyhow. Eckler has gotten on track the last two weeks after we complained so much about him after week three. All's well in Ecklerville. Yeah, back-to-back huge games for Austin Eckler, and I, I did not see this one coming. I think last week against the Texans, that made sense. That's a big bounce-back spot, but I, I think if anything, you know, I thought Cleveland would, would you know kind of decimate this L.A. rushing defense, and they did. I mean, 31 for 213. I, I thought Cleveland got a little too pass-happy in the second half of this game for unknown reasons. I mean, Jacoby Brissett should not attempt the same number of passes as Justin Herbert in a game like this. I think that was a huge mistake by Kevin Stefanski getting away from Nick Chubb, who only had 17 carries in this game. He was running the ball really, really well. And in Cleveland, for whatever reason, just, just fell in love with, with trying to push the ball downfield uh, to to guys like Amari Cooper and and Donovan Peoples Jones. But yeah, I mean, I I think at this point, Eckler, I, I would consider maybe selling high, 
after these back-to-back big games because, I mean, maybe some of this is on the Cleveland defense, but the Chargers were the worst running team in the league through the first three weeks. And it's possible that they found something, but to me that seems a little unlikely, like that the offensive line is still banged up. I think maybe they just got a couple of fortuitous matchups here. And I think we could look back as this maybe being the peak of Austin Eckler's season as far as what he's doing on the ground. I mean, as a pass catcher, still fine. Um, and the other thing is, I guess, you know, how many running backs do you feel better about rostering than Austin Eckler? Well, that's just the point. point. Probably right. not that many, right? So, you know, if you're if you're trading him, you're, I don't know who you're getting back. But um, my point overall is I, I don't think this is quite sustainable uh, because this is not who the Chargers have been uh, you know, the, early on in the season, at least. Yeah, that's just the problem, though. It, it, it's You're right, it's unsustainable, but what are you going to get for him? Uh, you know, you're, he's your first round pick, you know, so you're expecting games like this from time to time, at least. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a little bit more steadiness, I think, is what we're expecting. The, you know, uh, our friend Bob Long, he always goes for consistency rankings and Eckler wouldn't fare well in that. But at the same time, you know, he does have the pass catching floor typically. Uh, and he know. is the number one back in PPR right now. So maybe maybe I should just take this off the table. I mean, you're not you're probably not trading that guy at this yeah. point. And because the fact is you need it. And, you know, running backs are starting to fall by the wayside. Yep. The yep. thing is, you would have to be getting your own fantasy equivalent of the Herschel Walker package, basically. You know, you have to be uh, funny how he's known for other things now. But yeah, right. uh, he, you know, he is, you know, you're going for the whole like, OK, I'm getting a starting running back and a starting receiver. And, you know, that that and not just starting, but like every week starter, very good players. That's mm-hmm. what you that's what you that that's how it'd have to be structured. And that's hard to pull off. It just doesn't happen in fantasy yeah. leagues that often. Might as well try. You'll see it. But, you know, I, I think it would it'd take just a mint there. Uh, anything else from this game before we move on to the next one? The only note I have is that Nick Chubb is up to 593 yards on the season very quietly. Uh, and it is 17 game season, but quietly on pace to just eclipse 2000 yards. So, you know, we'll be keeping yeah. an eye on, on the Matt Ryan fumbles record. We'll also be tracking Nick Chubb, you know, quest for 2000 yards. He went in the fourth round in some of these NFFC leagues late. Yeah. Um, just there's a lot that, oh, I can't take Nick Chubb because he doesn't catch passes. And it's true. He still doesn't catch passes that much. Had one target yesterday. But, yeah, uh, yeah they, that's the other thing that's still annoying. I get annoyed every time I see Kareem Hunt, especially in the red zone. And he's there in the red zone a lot. I'm just like, <sighs> I know. Right. Well, I, even on that last drive, you know, after Cleveland gets the stop uh, on that fourth down play by by Brandon Staley um you know all you're thinking at that point is all right we just need to get some yards here they they did complete one pass to uh, Amari Cooper to get a first down and and get inside the 40 but at that point you're like all right we need five more yards let's make this an easy field goal attempt try to keep it under 50 it ended up being a 54 yarder which you know it's it's you, you feel better about it now it feels like there are more kickers capable of hitting those but by no means a guarantee obviously he missed it and first and 10 from the Chargers 35 the, the Browns opt to run the ball, which for one, they had no timeouts left, but I, I get it. You're a running team. Why is it Kareem Hunt running the ball for a loss of one yard on that play? I mean, that, that kind of killed all the momentum that they had. I, I just, I don't yeah. understand how it's not Chubb in that spot. I agree. I guess they just didn't want to be, look like they're one dimensional, I guess. Yeah, but... I suppose. All right. Uh, by the way, Browns host the Pats next week and Ramondre Stevenson might be getting all the carries. Uh, that seems like something I'd be interested in. Uh, Bears Vikings. 29-22 Vikes. They, they jumped on the Bears early, mm-hmm. and then they had to hang on for dear life late, uh, getting the late score there. Uh, you know, kind of a weird game. Bears actually showed some signs of life. Yeah. They actually were winning in the fourth quarter. Uh, 
but then the Vikes went down and scored again. It made it look like it all was well again. But, uh, you know, a couple of things. Justin Jefferson lost a touchdown uh, on a review, you know, rolled it back, and Cook got it instead. That said, you got 12 for 154 out of just Jefferson, plus he completed a pass, so make sure you get the the, the, the yard credit for that as well. Uh, you're doing just fine if you drafted Jefferson. Is the real thing. That's my point. But D- Dalvin Cook, your guy, pretty big day for him. Yeah, nice day for Dalvin Cook. Uh, he's quietly, you know, hanging around like RB12, RB13, RB uh, depending on your scoring system right now, 18 for 94 uh, in two touchdowns. Obviously, he's been banged up, kind of feels like he's always banged up, but has played through it thus far. Um, I mean, Jefferson right now, he's, he's like a, a distant third behind Cooper Cup because he's just outpacing everybody at yeah. receiver. But Cup, Diggs, Jefferson, I think you're you're thrilled with either of those three guys. Um, yeah. You know, start, starting to get a little concerned about Jamar Chase. I do think he'll make up ground as the season goes along. But, you know, as of right now, if you were deciding between Jefferson and Chase, as a lot of people were, uh, it's looking pretty clearly like Jefferson uh, is the guy. And like you said, I mean, if that, if that touchdown stands and it was, it was a 50, 50 call, um, you know, it's a he's monster sitting, day. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's sitting as the, the wide receiver too. That would have jumped him ahead of Stefan Diggs. Um, not, not a ton of other takeaways for me in this game. I mean, the bears had a chance late to tie this game. Um, a pretty huge fumble by Amir Smith, Marset, uh, just completely ripped away by Cam Dantzler, uh, more yeah. of a nice play by Dantzler. Um, and then the Bears also had another touchdown wiped out. Justin Fields had a long, I think it was 40-plus yard run, um, and the same guy, Smith Marset, you know, had a, a bad block in the back that was kind of away from the play to negate that one. So, you know, we make fun of Justin Fields a lot at Rotowire, but this was pretty easily his best game of the year. And if that other if that other rushing touchdown isn't wiped out, I mean, his, his running line looks something like 9 for 90 with a touchdown. Yep, exactly. Still eight for 47 uh, through you know, 15 to 21. Very proficient effort. It maybe yeah. not, you know, not not like a huge amount, but he was very efficient with his chances. Yep. Uh, no interceptions. Uh, did get sacked twice. You know, would like to avoid that. He put the ball on the ground twice, uh, but they didn't lose either single one of them. So mm-hmm. that that was better, at least. Uh, David Montgomery came back so much for working him in gently. He was 12 for 20. Yee, with the touchdown, but also had four catches for 62 yards. Khalil Herbert barely saw the field. And after the monster game he had against the Texans and a pretty decent game against the Giants last week, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that he didn't get the ball a little bit more often. Yeah, only 14 snaps in this game out of 50 compared to 36 for Montgomery. And yeah, I mean, they even Montgomery, you know, ran more routes, obviously. Like, it wasn't like Herbert was in there, um, you know, in specific situations. They just, like you said, they just completely got away from him. And and Montgomery ran fine in this game. The yardage doesn't look great, but, you know, I, I still think he's pretty dynamic. Uh, but but Herbert, I mean, he showed some legit explosion over these last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised as well. Um, not that I expect it to be like a 50-50, but for him to be almost completely phased out uh, a week later yeah. was, was pretty surprising for me. Um, where do you come in before we move on? Where do you come in on Minnesota right now? They're four and one, but you know, they, they barely squeak by the saints. They barely squeak by the lions. You know, they, they do have the feather in their cap beating green Bay week one, but I don't even know if that means all that much. Um, and you know, this was not a convincing win by any means. Like I, I think if there's one saving grace for the Packers, you know, you're really, you're really feeling down about how that game went, but the Vikings nearly blew a game to the bears and the Buccaneers very nearly blew a game to the Atlanta Falcons. So it feels like a lot of the teams that you're competing against in the NFC are, are kind of all on that same level right now. Well, you always hear the phrase, they all get paid on Sunday. So, you know, these, it's not like they're facing 
<clears throat> Northwestern or anything like that. They're facing, you know, stars from players that were stars in college exactly. too. Exactly. Uh, I, I think the Vikings are, I mean, they, they ran into a buzzsaw in Philly. Um, but at the same time in, in, you know, a Monday night game too, uh, you know, prime time it's, I think, don't give Kirk Gustins an Island game and he'll do fine. But uh, you know, at the same time, yeah, they're, they're, they're one of those teams that I always, they do better when I don't expect that a lot out of them. When mm-hmm. I don't, when I do expect someone out and they let us down, they're disappointing. So I don't know. I think they're a better than average team and they're trying to work out their own DNA issues. It's, it's, it's almost like every team has problems like yeah. that, but they face Miami this week on the road. That'll be an interesting game. Um, yeah. I think they're, I think they're a better than average team. I'll leave it at that. Uh, I think so what, too. I think they, I think they win that division, and you know, ultimately, they only have one more island game the rest of the year, so that that bodes well. It does. I, if I recall correctly, they have like three games outdoors all year too, which is pretty wild. Hmm. Uh, Adam Thielen went four for twenty-seven after some big games previously. Chris asks, "Would you rather Thielen or Brian Robinson, and why?" Um, I'm gonna go Robinson. Hmm. I mean, I, I think that trying to find a guy that features as the running back for a team is harder to find. Yeah, I think he had nine out of the, the commander's 12 carries yesterday. Yep. Um, they want to make him a thing. Whereas I think Thielen's going to have his moments. I mean, I, I guess a lot of it depends on team needs. That's always the easy answer to say. But uh, I think I, it's harder to find the running back that's going to be the guy. So I'm gonna, I am gonna—I would say uh, Robinson. What say you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have Thielen in a league uh, where I, I'm really kind of depending on him to be that third receiver. And it, I, don't, I can tell you what. I can tell you what. I don't feel great about it. So maybe that's the, the tiebreaker there. Uh, I think you're right. It's t- it's tougher to find that guy who has the potential to be the number one option. And for Brian Robinson to come back in and win the carry load in his first game, I, I think is extremely encouraging, right? I-, yeah. I think, you know, even just looking at the snaps, pretty equal split between McKissick, Gibson, and Robinson. And only one of those guys, you know, was, was shot a-, a few weeks ago and mm-hmm. is now coming back to split those carries. Like you would imagine that as Robinson settles in and, and builds back up, um, you know, that 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 workload could shift in his favor. I guess the, the question for me is just like, do we trust this commander's offense whatsoever at this point? You know, not, not that Minnesota has exactly been lightening up, but man, I mean, this is, you know, we're, we're kind of close to Steelers territory with, with the way that Carson Wentz is playing. He's piling up yards, but yeah. man, I mean, just not a lot of faith uh, in this offense actually, you know, capitalizing on those drives and the running game has been, you know, depending, it hasn't really mattered who the back is like the running game has been right. a major issue for the commanders. It has, it, but it shouldn't be. I mean, I still don't know what the heck Antonio Gibson did wrong. He was awesome in week one. Yep. And they, they kind of just went away from it after that. They they stopped running like the routes that w- were working so well. I don't know. I, I just thought I, I, maybe there, there's other stuff I'm missing. I know he's put the ball on the ground in the past, but he hasn't been doing that this year. I don't no, know. I, I, don't, I mean, they're bottom five right now. In rushing, I mean, the yards per carry hasn't really been there either. I mean, they only have two yeah. rushing touchdowns on the entire year. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some teams that are in the double digits already in that category. So, um, you know, maybe that comes around as the season goes on. But, yeah, just just that running game overall, Robinson aside, um, it hasn't exactly been a team that you you necessarily want a share of. Yeah, let's talk about that game. Uh, let's talk about uh, the, the their home loss to the Titans. Uh, the game I probably watched less the least of early, in the early slate. That yeah, it just I don't know. It just too too many guys that are, were they're just not that interesting. But you mentioned the Wentz piled on the yards. He got sacked three times, had a pick. They're, they weren't running the ball well. Seventeen for forty three. Robinson had nine carries. Wentz had five. Uh, you know, it just 
I, I know they were missing, you know, they got Diami Brown who actually, uh, Brown who actually had two big plays, two touchdowns, one that 75 yard. It was really sweet. Uh, you know, he was impressive. It's stepping in, uh, in, in place of, uh, um, sorry, spacing for a second. Oh, uh, Dotson. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Brown, we don't know if he's going to stick. I don't know if I go out of my way to go get him, but he was someone that was interesting when he got drafted last year. Yeah. Right. It's not like he came completely out of nowhere, but to me, this is a a bit of an anomaly type of performance and you know, we'll we'll see what the situation is with, with Jahan Dotson, but only 20 snaps in this game did run a route on 16 of those 20, but you know, three targets, two touchdowns to me that, that, that kind of reeks of, of unsustainability, but he has the big playability that this team needs. And, you know, both of those touchdowns in some ways kind of felt like almost desperation-y type of throws. And they were nice throws by Carson yeah. Wentz. But, I mean, th- other than those two those two long touchdowns, one went for 30, one went for, what, 75. I mean, commanders did absolutely nothing on offense. Other than that, I mean, it was three and out after three and out after three and out after three and out. Against and, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, against Tennessee. And then, of course, at the end of the game, they put together an 18-play drive, get all the way down, uh, essentially to the goal line. You got a first and goal at the two. All you need to do is punch it in and you win the game. And how does it end? Carson Wentz picked off in the end zone. I mean, it was uh, a, it was a predictable end. That's for sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it sure was. Uh, yeah. Not much else to say on the Washington side of things. How about Tennessee? No. Well, we saw Nick Westbrook Akina, you know, have a long catch and run in this game. Um, you know, not, not a, a massive day for, for Robert Woods uh, with, with Traylon Burks. Out. This was, I mean, a really ugly game. We saw Dontrell Hilliard get in the end zone again. Um, but these are the games that Tennessee kind of thrives in, right? I mean, they're they're okay winning twenty-one to seventeen uh, against the Commanders. And for for a lot of the day, these teams looked equally bad. But when it comes down to it, you know, you just trust Tennessee more than you do the Commanders. You know, even yeah. obviously, you'd rather be the team that has the ball at the two-yard line with a chance to win. But you know, you're, you're sitting there watching the Commanders, and I'm like, there, there's no way they're getting this in. There's just no way because you you trust the Titans to be the smarter team, to be the better coach team, to be in better positions. And and that's how they, you know, they've won three in a row. Now they're sitting at three and two. They're back on top in the AFC South. Um, I mean, fantasy wise, that receiving core is going to continue to just be, I think pretty dry week to week that there's going to be some weeks where Robert Woods, you know, is viable, but on the whole, probably not Derek Henry though, very quietly RB three in standard leagues uh, in PPR leagues. He is RB five right now through five games and, and right on the heels of Christian McCaffrey. So a little bit of initial panic through those first two games for Derrick Henry, but here we are and he's on track to, to probably returning first round value. Yeah. And granted, you know, RB production has been down across the board, yeah. uh, but you know, he's, he's really kind of revived himself the last few weeks. And after a really, really slow start, I mean, a lot of that was, I mean, we saw the Buffalo game and how that got out of hand. So of course he was, he didn't have that opportunity to do what Derrick Henry does best. And that's like mm-hmm. wear down opposing defenses. You know, he didn't, you didn't get that attrition factor that works in, in their favor. So, yeah. Well, I mean, to put it in context, like last year through five weeks, Derrick Henry had 42 more fantasy points at this point in the season than he does now. Yeah. And he was having a great season by the yeah, way, too. He was. he was dominating before he got hurt. And then, you know, I, I was taking L's left and right because I was fading him yeah. last year. Uh, and then then he got hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was brutal. All right. Let's uh, take a quick note from our friends at Play With Swagger. There are 50 million fancy sports players and sports bettors in the U.S., but 90% of all cash prizes are won by only 2% of all players. That's because most sports gaming options were created for pros. You know, the dudes dropping loads of cash on data to find an edge over the rest of us. Not Swagger. 
Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who simply want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Tired of losing because of one bad pick? With Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You simply create a ticket of 4 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. Your score determines your win, not the perfect ticket. You can be half right and be all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site, as much as 50 times your money. Plus, you can play fantasy football along with the major U.S. pro sports, as well as international soccer, Formula One, NASCAR, fight sports, rugby, cricket, and even eSports. Ready to play? Visit playwithswagger.com slash rotowire to sign up, and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out, plus match your first deposit 100% up to $100. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Let's talk Lions and Patriots. Get it done and over with here, Nick. The Lions, they they were the, the leading scoring offense in the NFL and the worst scoring defense in the NFL going into this game. They are no longer the leading scoring offense in the NFL. They got shut out. It, it, it strikes me like a lot like, reminds me of like when the Chargers two years running ran Herbert into the Pats and, you know, they ran rough shot mm-hmm. over them. Yeah, this one felt kind of predictable. You know, it was one of those lines that, you know, even though Detroit was coming off of a loss, even though these teams had the same record coming in, um, you know, one team is on its third quarterback in Bailey Zappi and the other team is putting up points left and right. So you're thinking, man, is De- Detroit's really coming in as, as like definitive underdogs against this New England team? Yeah. And we saw why early on. I mean, this was one of the things that we talked about last week, Jeff, was just the coaching mismatch between yeah. Dan Campbell and Bill Belichick. I mean, that was on full display really through the entire game. I, I thought defensively, the Patriots, uh, obviously, you know, holding Detroit to zero points that schemed as well as the, as any team has against the Lions who, you know, Amon Rase Brown was, was on a bit of a pitch count. That certainly hurt. Um, yeah. but that was not that was not the difference between you know twenty nine point loss. Uh, you know the Lions really couldn't run the ball as effectively as they had in weeks past. And and to me the biggest thing was you know Jared Goff kind of turned back into a pumpkin in this game. I, I think he yeah. was really befuddled uh, by a lot of the schemes uh, that that New England was throwing at him defensively. Had a bad pick, you know, kind of near the red zone uh, for Detroit. That, that I, once that happened, it kind of felt like this game uh, was already over. But um, you know, Ramondre Stevenson twenty five. For 161 in this game, ripped off a 50 yarder. And for the yeah. second straight week, I mean, Bailey Zappi, he did throw a pick. You know, he wasn't perfect, but more than capable uh, of being a game manager. Yep. Uh, absolutely. Damian Harris got hurt in this game. That was big yep. for Stevenson. Uh, I don't think uh, Harris is going to, judging by first uh, reports, doesn't look like Harris is going to be good to go this week either. So could be a big game for Stevenson. You know, there, there wasn't anybody else that stepped up. We'll see what happens if, if Harris is inactive. You definitely will have a third running back active this week. Uh, the Lions, they get a bye week at least to lick their wounds and literally get healthy there. Uh, get get DeAndre Swift back. I think that that the lack of his dynamic really kind of came into play here. Uh, you're right about Goff. Uh, he had the ba- the big pick, and he also had the big fumble TD. Uh, so that, that was pretty huge. Uh, St. Brown, you mentioned, was on a pitch count. Eh, just you know, we'll see what happens when if they like after the body, do they get Jamison Williams back? Uh, St. Brown will be at full speed, full capacity. Uh, how much of a different offense is this going to be? DJ Chark again didn't play, and they actually missed him. Uh, you know, they, they just they, they they were an average team, and you know, when he played a better defense, a defense that's improving, as the case is with the Pats, that's what happens. And uh, Pat side, Jacoby Myers, huge dominant target share. Seven for 111, eight targets. They didn't have to throw the ball that much, only won 21 throws. So that was nice. Uh, you know, we saw nothing out of uh, Devontae Parker. That's the one guy I was like, 
some weeks he does something and you're uh, encouraged. And then other weeks he's just dis- disappears. This was a dear disappearance week. Nelson Aguilar had one target disappeared as well. It was basically Myers or Henry. They got almost all the targets. Yeah, you're right about that. And you know, we talked on the XM show last week about, you know, who do you trust most in this receiving core? And yeah, I mean, we essentially settled on it being a, a week to week frustrating rotation. Um, you know, Nelson Aguilar had a, a fumble in this game. Uh, I don't know. Was it ruled a fumble or a pick? I don't even know. I, I think it was ruled a, an interception, um, but he's having trouble hanging out of the ball. You, you yeah. do wonder what the, the confidence level is there. Finally, good to see Hunter Henry involved. I mean, still not to the point where you feel comfortable necessarily throwing him in a lineup based on how it's gone for the majority of the year, but he goes four for 54. Um, other than that, you know, no, no major takeaways. I mean, like you said, you feel good about Ramondre Stevenson for the next week or two, um, kind of breaking the tie between he and Damian Harris, but uh, the Lions, man, one and four, they, they don't have the feel of a one and four team, right? There's no. been so much optimism around this team and they're, they're probably on pace to have about the same season as last year. With that said, zero points this week. They're still the second highest scoring team in the league behind Buffalo. So that, that is quite the accomplishment. And, and likely by the end of tonight, the Chiefs will have passed them up. Uh, but still, I mean, to, to put up no points in week five and still be a top five scoring team in the league, it, it's, it's impressive, if nothing else. It is. It really is. Uh, let's talk Saints and Seahawks. We talked about the Seahawks side of things. Let's talk about the Saints. A lot of lots happening here. Uh, starting with Taysom Hill. I mean, got to start the conversation with Taysom Hill. Uh, monster, monster day. Nine for one, 12 on the ground with a 60-yard touchdown run, a couple short ones. Uh, also, you know, threw for a touchdown. Uh, he's he's a tight end, but he's not a tight end. I have one of my leagues. We had, we're having a little con- rules debate here uh, where – you know, there's an argument to try to remove his tight end eligibility. I get it because he's not really lining up as a tight end ever, yeah. but I, you can't make midseason changes also. No, you can't, you can't. So if you're in a league that allows that, uh, that's a huge boon, right? I mean, <laughs> if he's eligible at tight end, he's the tight end too right now. And again, yeah. Travis, Travis Kelsey probably passes him up tonight, but that means he's going to be the tight end three through five weeks. And I mean, this was a, just kind of an all-time anomaly game. I mean, Taysom Hill was, I think he returned a kickoff in this game at one point. He was lining up at fullback at times. I mean, this was the full-on Taysom Hill experience. Um, Obviously, you can't expect four touchdowns every single week, but I I think they need him. Like, they absolutely needed every single piece of Taysom Hill to win this game and hang on against Seattle because, I I, I mean, I I don't know if Seattle just has this incredible offense under Geno Smith or if the Saints defense isn't quite what we think it is because – you know, the Saints covered a relatively big number. I think they closed as five-point favorites at home. That one seemed a little fishy with all the points that Seattle's been able to put up, but they couldn't really get stops when they needed to. I mean, a no. lot of big plays, a lot of big plays for Seattle in this game, big passing plays, downfield to DK Metcalf, downfield to Tyler Lockett. Kenneth Walker had the long 69-yard run, um, just uncharacteristic by the New Orleans Saints defense. However, I mean, we could pretty firmly say at this point that I, I think that the Seahawks and the Lions are, are probably in the running for the worst defense in the league. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, this this one felt like a Big Twelve game. Yeah, I, I still kick myself for not recognizing the, that potential last week between uh, Seahawks and Lions, and like be all over yeah. it in DFS and things of that nature. Yep. Those who did really profited handsomely from that. There, uh, fun little stat: Alvin Kamara does not have a touch inside the ten yard line this year, not one. Hmm hate Taysom Hill because of that. But <laughs> it, unless you, and the thing is only because I have Kamara in the stake league. Uh, otherwise, I mean, I, I, I'd be thrilled about it. Cause it's like, ha ha, not my problem. 
uh, because because early in drafts, I was fading him because of the potential for a suspension, but that's gone by the wayside, so that's not going to happen. But Kamara's still got tons of prote- prote- uh, production for you. But, man, just this close to having that monster game. Remember, this is a guy that had six touchdowns in a game before. It's not that he's incapable of handling goal line work. They just don't let him have a chance. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. And I mean, he was close to ripping off a couple bigger ones than than he already had in this game. And it was a a big time what if type of game yeah. for Alvin Kamara. But either way, good to see him running well again because you know even early on in the season when he was in the lineup, didn't quite look like himself. But this was a a really nice breakout game for Alvin Kamara. Even though Taysom Hill, you know, in some ways ends up vulturing four touchdowns for this offense. Um, it does feel like they, they're at least somewhat back on track these last couple of weeks. I mean, for a while there, I mean, they, they barely scored against Tampa Bay. They, they had that really ugly game against the Panthers where they only put up 14 um, mm-hmm. and then putting up 25 on Minnesota. I, I think that's fine. And then putting up 39 now on Seattle. And that, that sets up a really interesting game at home against the Cincinnati Bengals in week six. Yeah. Not only did they put up, you know, 39 points against Seattle. They put up 39 points against Seattle with Andy Dalton as their starting quarterback. Yeah. With no Michael Thomas, with no Jarvis Landry, with Chris Olave getting concussed. Um, and we'll see what happens with him this week because obviously uh, the concussion protocol, everything's getting super scrutinized now. So yep. you can't even assume that anybody's coming back in the following week. Uh, question uh, revol- uh, involving uh, Olave Do you trade Chris Olave and Terry McLaurin for DK and Devontae Smith? Two receivers for two receivers. Uh, what do you, what's your think? What's your take on this here? I think that's a pretty fair deal. Um, you know, Metcalf especially has, has looked pretty good these last few weeks, and I, I yeah. think it looks like, for the most part, I think Seattle's going to be able to score. I think they're going to play in a lot of games that look like this one. I mean, against the truly elite defenses, I think that they probably still get shut down. You think to what we saw against San Francisco in Week Two, but I, I still think I, I would want the DK side of that. Um, and you know, I'd be McLaurin has, it's been really quiet. That's, that's probably the, the, the frustrating guy that you want to get rid of. Um, and we'll see on Olave. I mean, this could be like you said, with the way that there's, there's kind of this heightened concern now about concussions. I mean, it's, it's no longer, um, you know, kind of a, a thing where you feel good about him playing the next week. Yeah. I think this is actually relatively easy to go on the DK side for me. And I, you know, I, my love for Olave is pure as mountain snow, but, uh, just, you got, you may not have them this week. So I do that there. Uh, another related trade question. Uh, Aaron Jones and Kenneth Walker for Jonathan Taylor, full point PPR, which side do you prefer? I want Jones and Walker. Yeah. At I this point. Easy, um, easy decision. You got a banged up Taylor, a bad indie offensive line. Right. Sorry, I interrupt you. I know you were going to probably say something. I was going to say the exact same thing. You're right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Jonathan Taylor looked great before the injury. I mean, right. yeah, the, at some point he's going to find his level, but it's entirely possible that he just he's just running behind a bad offensive line. Nobody's going to respect that passing game all year. Um, I, I, I would, I, I mean, especially yeah. now with, with Penny going down, I think that makes it all you know, that much easier. And reminder, Penny is out for the season folks. So it's not even just a major injury. He's out for the season. I feel awful for Penny. He's going into free agency this off season. He was, it was his job to be the man he had coming off a huge week, the week before, once again, he gets hurt. This is and this is just a traumatic injury. It's not like a injury prone thing. Don't make it that. But it's just a, yet another log on that fire. It's it's tough. So feel awful for him. Uh, let's move on to Miami and the Jets. Oh my goodness, what an uh, you know Miami just they lost Bridgewater right away. They laid an egg in this game. Yep. It was ugly. Skylar Thompson 
did his best to hang on, hang on. But I mean, he was put into a tough situation. You're on your third string QB. Yep. Uh, you're not really expecting him to play. And he, he was left to it there and struggled 19 for 33, no touchdowns an interception uh, sacked a couple of times. Uh, lost a fumble even. This is a game that just kind of spiraled out of control for them in the second, in the fourth quarter. It's actually kind of close until the fourth it quarter. It was. It was. It was. And it, it, at first, it kind of reminded me of, of last week's game against Cincinnati, where you know, obviously yeah. you're, you're much more limited under Skylar Thompson than you are going from Tua to Bridgewater. But, you know, after Thompson came in, like he, he game managed a little bit. You know, it's only 5 nothing, uh at the end of the first quarter. And, you know, it, it kind of went back and forth for a little bit. You know, Jets go up 12 nothing, but Miami's able to come back and score. Uh, and then Tyler, Skylar Thompson, you know, throws an interception. But even after that, you know, this was still a five-point game at the half. Uh, to me, the biggest swing point was Miami missing a field goal. Um, you know, I think it was midway through, like, the third quarter when it was a, it was a field goal that would have put them up 20-19. Yep. to 19. And after that, everything completely unraveled. You know, they fumble on the next drive. They, they gave up three straight touchdown drives. Um, and from then on, you know, this one got completely out of hand, but kind of a cross off game for me, for Miami. I mean, losing your quarterback that early in the game and then having to turn to someone who really had no expectation of playing. Um, it's really hard to get a gauge on, on what that, that truly means. So unfortunately it kind of becomes a lost week for guys like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I, I just don't think it's a fair evaluation. Now Tyreek Hill was in a walking boot after the game. So something yep. to watch there for that injury wise, uh, yeah, I used Bridgewater in a super flex league. I used him over Geno Smith. Uh, so not big fat zero. I used him in DFS yesterday. So mm-hmm. even though I had other things that were looking pretty good there, uh, you know, I, I had some other good op. You know, I had I, I used Chubb in a smash spot and smash he did. And then it didn't matter because I got zero from the quarterback yep. there. Uh, two, two quarterbacks in the concussion protocol for Miami, the team that's most under scrutiny here. Ugh. We'll watch to see what this is, what's going to happen with them. Uh, unfortunately, they don't get the bye week. This is a team that desperately needs the bye week, but they yes. don't get it. Uh, instead, they host Minnesota. So uh, we'll see about that. Jet yeah. side of things, Brees Hall's taken over, although Michael Carter is the touchdown vulture. Who thought Michael Carter would be a touchdown vulture coming into the season? But here we are with two TDs for him and another sequence where he's in in a red zone situation where Zach Wilson actually got the rushing touchdown. Uh this was, a, I mean, you look at the stats for the Jets, and I'm kind of like, okay, fine. I mean, they put 40 points on the board, but they dealt with some short field because they didn't pile, like totally pile on the yards. But Wilson was very efficient when he did throw two long catch and runs by Brees Hall, too. Yeah, this really wasn't as much of a beatdown as the score would indicate. Like you said, a lot of short fields, especially late in the game. I mean, the Jets scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. So this was not a game that was completely in control. Uh, really mm-hmm. could tell the end of it, but Brees Hall to me, I mean, that's, that's the biggest takeaway here, right? I mean, he's, he's yeah. RB seven right now in PPR leagues and he looks really, really good, really explosive 18 for 97 and the touchdown two catches a hundred yards I mean, had the 79 yarder uh, that nearly went for a score. Yeah. He's been, he's been as advertised. And I, I think he's maybe even been a little bit better than advertised on, on a day where Zach Wilson wasn't all that great. I mean, 14 of 21, no touchdowns, no picks, which is huge. I mean, when he's not turning the ball over, uh, that that really does a lot for the bottom line, but uh, outside of Brees Hall and I, I guess Michael Carter, you know, vulturing the two touchdowns, no one else really stood out on this Jets offense fantasy wise. No, no, they didn't. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think the wide receivers. I mean, you have to be a little concerned uh, that yeah. you're just not getting the volume. Uh, Wilson, Davis. I mean, Eli, Elijah Moore. I mean, ah, uh, 
I think yep. I, I made a bold take when I was talking with you that I take Elijah Moore over someone that you were suggesting. And clearly, I don't even remember who the player was, but I, I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure I was like trying to talk you into uh, like the Jaguars fifth receiver or something like that. <laughs> no, I, I don't I don't think it was like the biggest missed opportunity of all time. But uh, yeah, I mean, the Elijah Moore thing, I'm glad I didn't buy in on him. I, I was just I was scared to death of what this offense was going to look like under Zach Wilson. And I, I know there's a lot of optimism, you know, based on how well these two connected at times last season that, OK, the return of Zach Wilson, you know, now it's Elijah Moore time. That has not been the case, man. Um, I mean, yeah. just. Three targets on on 19 routes. That's not ideal. Um, you know, it, it does almost feel like the Jets are in a similar situation to New England, where like Davis, Moore, and Garrett Wilson are all kind of on the same level. And one week, you know, it, it's just going to be a matter of like, all right, who pulls down the the 50-50 long ball, um, you know, to, to kind of differentiate yourself away from the other three. And the other only other note I have on this Jets passing game, if you, if you started Tyler Conklin, we've been pumping him up the last two weeks. You took a zero here. Uh, one target on seven routes, just a, a complete non-factor. Yep. I, well, I think they're just, they're focusing on the running backs more. Brees yeah. Hall, I mean, he really is. And I, I think uh, he, he's definitely in the, uh, you know, stardom. I actually benched him in a league, Nick. I had James Robinson, Damian Pierce at my running back spots. And I had Jalen Waddle at my flex. It's a 2-2-1 two, two, uh, league, not a 2-3-1 league. And it's tough, I mean, man. Waddle against the Jets. I mean, I want that yeah. matchup. I need that matchup. I think but. it comes down to Pierce versus Hall. And I mean, it, it worked out okay for you. Obviously you would have rather have had Hall, but Pierce, yeah. I, I thought ran pretty well against the Jags. And, you know, he, he certainly passed in the eye test as well. Those guys back to back right now in PPR rankings, Brees Hall seventh, Damian Pierce eighth. Yep. And Robinson was a guy who was in my circle of trust with a great smash oh, matchup. Yeah. Uh, it's just what happened. Yep. I don't I'm know. with you. That was a no brainer for me. I, I, that's, that's the, the single biggest surprise of that game is that James yep. Robinson couldn't get going. Exactly. Uh, are you buying low on Jalen Waddle this week uh, or St. Brown the, the following week? Because uh, St. Brown's on by this week. Just remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I I need to see who's going to be the quarterback for the Dolphins, actually. I mean, I think there's just so right. many so many layers of uncertainty there. Yeah, and you're going up against the Vikings defense that I think is good enough that if it is Skylar Thompson, you just don't feel great. Uh, about how that game was going to turn out. And, you know, the weeks after that, though, get pretty interesting. And the Dolphins, you mentioned it, they need a bye so badly. They don't get their bye till week 11. Like, that's not coming anytime soon. So no, they're going to kind of no have relief. to, uh, yeah, they're just going to have to kind of close their eyes and get through this. But after this week, if you assume that at least one of Bridgewater or Tua is available, maybe let's say for week seven, then you got a nice little run. You get the Steelers, you get the Lions, you get the Bears, you get the Browns, and you get the Texans in five consecutive weeks. Those are all plus matchups for that passing game. Yeah, for sure. Falcons, Bucks, big penalty in this game. Huge penalty in this game. Uh, the Falcons, I mean, they, they were outclassed for three quarters. It was 21-0 going into the fourth. And the, the, the Bucks kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit. Um, and then they got bailed out by that uh, roughing the passer penalty. That's the penalty of the year so far. Uh, I believe it was Jerome Boger on the call now. I mean, that was oh, It's that Jerome was Boger. I mean, yeah, say no more. Oh, yeah. it's terrible. Right. Well, it, it felt like we, we, we got a bunch of those calls. Like, was it what, two, three seasons ago? I remember like there's a clay Matthews one that kind of set everybody off. Maybe it was further back, but it seemed like the pandemic of like bad roughing the passer calls had subsided a little bit. Like we were being a little bit more reasonable uh, as a society when it came to those. I mean, this was as bad as you'll ever see. I, 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 you can make all these cases. Usually it's like, well, you know, if the defender landed on top of them or if he threw them down, like none of that was in play here. This was just a completely routine sack not the type of play 
Um, because as fans, I think we've now been conditioned that on every sack, you're kind of holding your breath and saying like, please don't, please don't throw a flag. Please don't throw a flag. This one didn't even cross my mind. Like there was right. nothing about it that seemed malicious. Um, and of course, you know, that, that gifted uh, the Buccaneers a first down and allowed them to essentially end this game. It yeah. really felt like Atlanta, if they got the ball back there, I, I don't know that they were for sure going to score, but I think they thought they were going to score the way that they had moved the ball on their last two possessions. Like you said, like the Bucks offense just completely turtled up for most of the second half. Um, it would have been really interesting. And I, 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 you know, I mentioned this in the same context as the Packers and the Vikings. Um, you know, it, it kind of felt like that type of game for Tampa where what, what looked at one point, like it was going to be a cruise control victory. Yeah. You get the win, you're three and two, but you don't really have the greatest feeling in your stomach coming out of this game. No, uh, they haven't had the greatest feeling all season long. No, uh, they haven't been firing on all cylinders. Brady got his yards again, 351, needed 52 attempts to do so. The one touchdown to Fournette. If you're a Fournette manager, you're pretty happy. You just you're, especially after last week's debacle. But you know, even then, he's been even last week. He was still getting targets in the passing game, so you're still pretty happy about that. Uh, they did run a little bit more often here, uh, but you know, other than excuse me, other than Fournette, you're not really even all that happy about everything else. I mean, Mike Evans, I mean, he's fine. Four for eighty-one. Godwin six for sixty-one. Uh, and they were missing other personnel. I guess Kate Otten was an interesting story with no Cameron Brait this week. Otten, yeah. the rookie, had went six for 43 was on seven targets. That's encouraging, even if he didn't turn it into a score or anything. I mean, you know, nice to know that he's getting a little bit more trusted. 74 snaps in this game out of a possible 79 for Kate Otten. So this yeah. was not even a this was not even a timeshare really between he and and Kokieft and and Kyle Rudolph. I mean, it was dominated by Kate Otten. So uh, somebody to monitor, certainly. I mean, in this offense, uh, you know, we talk about it with with like you know offenses like the Bills, like you know being at this kind of minor player every now and then in an offense, you know, you could be poised to have a week like this, especially if you're dominating that snap load. So um, yeah. yeah, definitely a guy to monitor over the next couple of weeks. But for me, I mean, Fournette is the biggest takeaway here. Ten for eighty three uh, through the air. I yeah. uh, had a receiving touchdown as well. Uh, he's been really good. I mean, he's he's up there as the RB six now, one of only six backs. Uh, who've accumulated 90 fantasy points through five weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of shying away from him. Uh, kind of have some regrets on that one there a little bit yeah, there. Same here. The Atlanta side, uh, not much to see here. I mean, th they had the comeback late, but you, you look at the numbers and it's pretty ugly stuff. Uh, they, they were able to run the ball mostly with Mariota. The running backs themselves yeah. didn't do a whole lot there. Algier had 13 carries, Huntley eight, uh, just not neither did, did a whole lot in the offense there um the they, they got the the, the Mariota passing touchdown um uh, it just and then Avery Williams got the, the the goal line carry they're just to kind of flummox anybody that went after Hunt, yeah. Huntley or Algier Huntley is almost a cut this week I I almost feel like uh I I did land him in a couple of spots where I was going cheap I'm glad I went cheap because the pickups that were more expensive didn't do much either this week so you know, whether, yep. you know, Mike Boone, maybe you're kind of encouraged by, but uh, no, you're not really thrilled with that one either. You're not, not, not certain you can start any of these guys that we all picked up mm -hmm. last week. Yeah. Glad I stayed away from Algier. I mean, this was probably about the game you expected against this Buccaneers defense. And mm -hmm. had he, had he been the one to sneak into the end zone? Fine. You feel justified, but yeah, of course it's, it's Avery Williams, you know, three carries. One of those goes for a score. Um, but in terms of snaps, Algier 39, Williams 17, Huntley 16. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think Huntley is firmly in cut territory at this point, just based on right. that. Right. 
Uh, and again, this offense seems like do everything we can to prevent Mariota from trying to throw the ball that much. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, Zacchaeus had went to had the touchdown, but two for 39. Drake London, seven targets. You know, I, you're kind of hoping he'd be a target monster with no Kyle Pitts in this game. That wasn't the mm-hmm. case. They just they just don't want to throw the ball that much. And it's hard to hard to get hard to do well in this offense. Yeah, but I mean they're sitting at two and three. They they've they've won two games that you didn't necessarily expect them to win. They hung in there with the Rams. They lost to the Saints by one. I mean their three yeah. losses have have come by a combined what like eleven points. Yeah. on the year. So I mean they've given given the, those major constraints. And we should also mention not that it matters, but they didn't have Kyle Pitts in this game. Um, right, that, that didn't really affect anything. But uh, yeah, I mean they're they're a convincing two and three. Like I mean they're 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 a fun team to watch, even though they have these limitations. I think they've adapted well. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Before we get into the afternoon games, a quick note from Monkey Knife Fight. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action that that you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that, too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. Big thanks to Monkey Knife Fight for their sponsorship there. All right, Niners, Panthers, the game they got Matt Rule fired. Well, the last, the final straw, I guess, they got Matt Rule fired. Uh, this this game was never really that close. Uh, the Niners, I mean, they, they could have, I mean, the Niners actually left some points on the field early on in this game, too. Yep. Ended up smashing it. Uh, we got, uh, you know, Jeff Wilson had a big game. Tevin Coleman made a couple of appearances, got in the end zone twice, once catching, once running. I think he's firmly ensconced as the number two. And there's number two does matter in the Niners running game. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have a total workhorse back. Not much else from the Niners side, except Emmanuel Mosley lose, uh, get, uh, out for the season with that injury late. Yeah, I mean, George Kittle lost a fumble in this game. That was pretty discouraging. Did have five yeah. for 47, but yeah, just, I don't know. It feels like the, the Kittle of old, is, he's just almost in like a different role at this point. Um, you, you do think that that breakout could be coming, but I haven't been a lot of signs of that quite yet. So it's not more not like an old courage. Kittle instead of a yeah. Kittle of old. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's just been a little, it's been a little weird. I don't know. You just don't, you, it, the way that they're using him just doesn't imply that he's like one week away from a breakout. It kind of just right. seems like they're they're okay with this. Um, but yeah, not a lot else to take from this one. Debo found his way into the end zone as he always does. But uh, Jeff Wilson, you know, I, I certainly looked the part of a number one back. Part of it is this Carolina defense. That's for sure. But he was really impressive, ran well in this game. And, you know, a lot of the yardage that, that we saw Baker Mayfield put up in this game. And by the way, we did, we get, we got a PJ Walker appearance at the end of this thing. And, and it sounds like PJ Walker will likely start next week, uh, given yeah. the injury to Baker Mayfield. So that's, yeah. that's PJ Walker at the LA Rams, which honestly, at this point, I'm way more intrigued by the PJ Walker Panthers going up against the Rams than I are with Mayfield. I think we've, we've pretty much seen what we need to see at this point. Sad, sad, but true. Um, I mean, the Carolina offense is just stifling though. I mean, it, how much of this is, I mean, is it the coordinator or is it just that they don't have the personnel or is it, they just, is it the quarterback? Is it just the quarterback or is there just the play calling? Is it bad too? I don't know. Matt Corral's already on injured reserve. Sam Darnold's yep. hurt. I mean, it's going to be PJ Walker and Jacob Eason next week for the Panthers. Yeah. You got to love this spot. I think if you're the Rams, you obviously in, in dire need of a win and we'll talk about them in a little bit, but yeah, catching the Panthers in this spot, 
coming off of the coaching change, I think is a, um, you know, a pretty good spot for them. And Steve mm-hmm. Wilkes is going to step in for now. Uh, so at least a guy with coaching experience, you know, you're not just, uh, you know, passing the sticks to, to somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. So, you know, maybe we see a, a more consistent effort from the Panthers. I, I will say, you know, you mentioned the 49ers left some points on the board in this game, which they absolutely did. Um, you know, they, they, they had a field goal blocked. They, they settled for a field goal earlier in the first half on the drive that should have been a touchdown. They had the Kittle fumble. This yeah. was a 10, three game. The Panthers had just blocked that field goal. And you're at that point, you're thinking, okay, you know, we're at home. Maybe we could pull something off here. Baker Mayfield immediately throws a pick six. And yeah. it felt like the game was just over at that point. Yeah, it did. It really did. Yeah. 17, three seems just that way more imposing. And it just seems like, okay, we're getting smashed again. Yep. Uh, McCaffrey wasn't efficient, but he got his, that's for sure. 14 for 54 and a touchdown. More importantly, seven for 50 in the passing game in a PPR league. It's, it's another 25 point game basically. Yeah, it was ugly. That's for sure. Um, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that work came in garbage time. I mean, the Panthers were just airing the ball out their yeah. last couple of their last couple of touches, which as you should, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, not an efficient day, like you said on the ground, but he's, he's just going to keep finding his way. Uh, you know, I, I think he's, he's essentially team proof, you know, someone like Najee Harris, you just can't necessarily trust him to get these kind of numbers on a bad right. offense. McCaffrey's situation has been just as bad, and yet he always finds a way. He does. He absolutely does. Terrace Marshall actually saw the field. We have a Terrace Marshall signing. I still believe in him, but maybe I believe in the okay. historical him, uh, and maybe you know that that's the problem. Uh, any other takes from that game? Absolutely not. Let's move it along. Roll on. Cowboys, Rams. More excitement here. Rams, man, they're just so bad. Ooh, they're terrible. Man. Yeah, this was, you know, we talked about this as being a spot where, you know, Dallas seems to always catch whatever team has the worst offensive line the previous week. They seem yeah. to play the Cowboys the next week. And yeah, this was awful, man. I mean, Matthew Stafford sacked five times another week where he ends up with one interception, could have had more. Uh, the yardage ends up looking okay, 28 for 42. Uh, this is a game where they essentially had to pass every down in the second half, could not get anything going on the ground uh, between Cam Akers. And, and really that was it. I mean, we, we didn't see Darrell Henderson Log a single carry in this game. Um, you know, other than Cooper Cup just continuing to be Cooper Cup, and even in even when the offense looks awful, still you look up and he's got seven for one twenty-five and a score. Other than that, they finally got Tutu Atwell involved. I mean, it was only one catch, but it was a long one, and it felt like a big one at the time. Beyond that, man, it's the, the Rams are in trouble, and they're they're one of those teams that they have the infrastructure. You, you kind of have to give them the benefit of the doubt, but this is really really ugly. Yeah, the Allen Robinson farce continues. Uh, yep. Abandon all hope. Ye who enters here. Is he a cut for you at this point, Nick? It's getting there, right? I mean, three for 12. At least he was targeted five times in this game. But there's just like the, the way that they're like trying to use him almost feels like pathetic or forced. You know, like there's kind of a, a little bit more severe version of what I said with Kittle, where you don't watch these games and think, man, next week, if, if, if that play had just gone differently, he would have had a huge game. It's like he disappears for entire quarters. Like you just, you totally forget about Allen Robinson. And yeah, I mean, if if you have another receiver or, you know, maybe you, you have like Rashad Penny or something and you, you need to clear a spot to, to pick up another running back. Sure. I I don't, I don't think it's beyond question to drop Allen Robinson. I think given the level of investment, you want to hold off on that as long as you can. But at this point, I mean, he's, he's not a start. I I don't know if I would be cutting him quite yet, but I'm not starting him. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not either. I mean, the Rams just don't have time. Five sacks in this game again. No running game at all. Uh, this offensive line's just kind of in trash mode right now. Uh, the Cowboys, I mean, they, they 
they ran the ball well. Pollard had that big run. Zeke was 27 for 78. That's really not that great. Uh, but it's a lot of runs, 34 runs. They only had 16 passing attempts in this game. I mean, they just they shut it down. They knew yeah. that the Rams couldn't move the ball against them. Um, and they didn't really want to expose Cooper Rush that much. Got sacked three times, and so he had 19 dropbacks, I guess. Uh, yeah, so you know, if you're CD Lamb, if you're a CD Lamb or Michael Gallup guy, you, know, you were not happy. But you know, next week against the Eagles is probably going to be different in terms of like what they need to do offensively. They just didn't need to score. They knew the Rams were never going to score against them. Yeah, when they started this game off by returning a Matthew Stafford fumble for a touchdown, that's Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, that was on yep. like the third or fourth play of the game. Yeah. So already, you know, they missed the extra point. So already, or uh, it's a two point conversion. Sorry. Um, you know, already you're up six nothing, and then you know you then force another punt by the Rams, and that one's blocked, and mm-hmm. you, know, you get another field goal there. So Dallas you know, spotted itself a, you know, a, a two score lead to begin the game. And it felt like they were just able to ride that the entire rest of the afternoon. I mean, at, at no point did you ever really feel like the Rams were going to take control of this game. And then of course, you know, late Matthew Stafford has the backbreaking interception. It looked like he was targeting Allen Robinson on that play. It was a third down. It was semi desperation mode, but that yeah. just felt like the, you know, the final knife twist uh, on what was a, a really, really ugly day uh, for Stafford again. Indeed. Indeed. Dallas faces Philly next. Philly went on the road, didn't play their best, but did enough to win against the Arizona. Uh, yep. Remain undefeated, the alone undefeated team in the NFL. Uh, now five and zero. Oh. I mean, it, 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 but unfortunately for them, Dallas is four and one. They thought that maybe we could pull away all the, these divisional odds, and, and the Giants are four and one too, for that yep. matter too. So the NFC East, who knew? Yeah, kind of a tough break for Philly to have this start and really have no cushion in their own division. That's for sure. I mean, I'm I'm still pretty convinced that the giants are going to fall back at some point, but they're, they're going to be in the mix when you start four and one, you know, you really need to collapse to, to kind of push yourself out of that playoff picture And Dallas. We'll see if Dak comes back this week. That, that, that seems like far from a guarantee, probably close to a 50, 50. Uh, They're saying he needs a full week of practice, but um, if you're Dallas, I, I think you feel, you feel okay at least about throwing Cooper rush out there. I mean, he's still undefeated as the starter. I think this was probably his worst game since yeah. taking over his most limited game. And still, you know, like the, the big thing with, with Cooper Rush is he's not going to kill you with turnovers. He makes smart plays. Um, you know, he had a big drop by CD lamb in the first half of this game that, that would True. have changed things Again. as well. That, 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 yeah, that killed a big drive for Dallas. So maybe the numbers could have looked a little better. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is an interesting spot for Dallas because for the first time, it doesn't feel like they're catching an opponent at the right time. I mean, you're playing the no. hottest team, in football. So this will be a, a big, big time test for Dallas, whether it's Dak or, or whether it's Cooper rush. Yeah. Sunday night game here. So the Eagles, I mean, Jalen hurts. This was his least productive passing game. Maybe uh 239 yards, no touchdowns, at least no picks did have mm-hmm. the two rushing touchdowns and 61 rushing yards. So still a very good fantasy day. Uh, again, though, this is a, uh, continuing a trend where they were a lot more uh, productive offensively in the first half than they were in yep. the second. Only uh, six points in the second half. Their defense had to carry the uh, carry the load against Arizona, who was limited to 17 mm-hmm. points. Yeah, they had some bad penalties in this game. There was one drive, I think it was the first drive of the second half, where Philly marched all the way down the field. You know, They got a first and 10 at the 15, and you end up taking a 42-yard field goal out of that drive. So they, they, yeah. they left some opportunities on the table. And it feels like Arizona does this every week. They fall behind, and then they just reel off these long drives in the second half. I mean, Arizona only had three possessions in the second half and, and Philly right. only had three. So part of, part of the lack of scoring is 
Um, I mean, Philly, Philly scored on two of its three drives in the second half and, it's true. You know, and still only put up six points just because one of those drives was 17 plays. The other was 10 and Arizona has drives of nine, 12 and 10 plays. Yeah. Arizona had a drive to start the third or the third quarter, their second, or their first drive of the third quarter. They went only, they went nine plays for 10 yards somehow yeah. and went used up five twenty two. Talk about just what a, it's just a waste there. Um, yeah. You know, obviously they had some, uh, some, some penalty issues there and all that, but uh, you know, and, and a sack on the, 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 before having to punt it away. And that was just kind of their symbolic of their day though. Yeah. Well, they had the weirdest play or one of the weirdest plays of the year. Um, you know, at the end of the game, I, I think there was some confusion as to which down it was. Uh, Kyler Murray scrambled for what I think he thought was a first down. And, you know, I, I read afterwards that in the stadium, like the, the display in the, you know, in the stadium, it said that it was a first down. Right. So I think the, the idea is that Kyler slid to the ground thinking he had the first down, saw first and 10 on the video board, ran up to spike it, didn't realize that it was actually third down. And of course, by that point, you know, they couldn't challenge the spot. It was close. Although to me, you know, you, the ball is down like where the quarterback begins his slide. He was clearly behind the right. first down line. So I think that call was correct. But, but obviously uh, an error in judgment there. Um, they have to kick a slightly longer field goal than they would have wanted to. Matt Amendola, of course, just you know, dramatically misses. Uh, wasn't even close. Wide right. What this is the second the game, game that Amendola has cost a team too, by the way. Backup yeah. kicker has cost two teams a game. Yep, exactly. Uh, two different teams. I mean, insane. Yeah. But this is a 43-yarder. I mean, very makeable. Uh, I, yeah. don't, I don't think the Kyler mistake was really as, as damaging as, as people made it out to be. But this is a game that should have gone into overtime for sure. I think, you know, Eight yeah. or nine times out of ten, that field goal is made. Yeah, almost could say that the scoreboard operator cost the Cardinals the game just as much because he was relying say. on that. I mean, but wow, yeah, brutal. Yeah. And the, uh, that that that's so wild. And they thought, you know, all of a sudden they're they're out of timeout, so it's end of the game after that. So I mean, the yep. thing is, he yeah, that's it. He hates seeing the spike anyhow. Just but there you go. Yep, mm-hmm. run the play. Uh, James Conner got hurt in this game. He was looking good before the rib injury. There, he was nine for fifty-five. Yeah. Uh, running pretty well. I had one catch only, but, uh, you know, Benjamin now might be a guy this week, uh, against Seattle. This is a matchup yeah. we want. I, yeah, I was almost hoping this wouldn't come up. So we wouldn't get the word out on this. Although, you know, most, most good fantasy players are going to be all over this. I think, you know, Benjamin is, is going to be the dude I'm paying up for this week, especially in leagues where I have Rashad Penny. Um, I thought he ran really well. I mean, tacked on a touchdown, an important touchdown in mm-hmm. the second half of this game. Um, another guy for me who, who really passes the eye test, he runs really physically, um, a little bit, you know, James Connors, a little bit more shifty of a guy, you know, Benjamin, not afraid to plow through you. Uh, so I was impressed by what I saw from him. I mean, the numbers aren't anything crazy, but, um, you know, if he could, if he could hang on to an RB one role for a week or two, uh, a lot of potential there. And then my only other note, Rondell Moore looked great in this game. Seven for 68 yep. looked really, really shifty Had a couple of long runs after the catch. And then Hollywood Brown just continuing to find ways, man, eight for 78, and a touchdown did not have Hollywood Brown pegged as a top five receiver in PPR uh, through five weeks, but, but here we are. And he's, but it makes sense though, too. It does. It does. It does. I just, yeah. I mean, the connection with him and Kyler in the past, I think maybe I didn't put enough into that. We'll see though. We're one week away, I guess, from, from Deandre Hopkins being back in the mix. That's true. Uh, Benjamin, a roster in only 11% of Yahoo league. So he's, you know, Walker's probably not available in a lot of places, but, Benjamin definitely is. So uh, something to, something to watch for there. Um, all right. Any other notes from this week before we sign off? What do you think about tonight's game? 
looking forward to tonight's game. I, I think it's a good spot for the Chiefs, of course. I mean, they blew out the Raiders, uh, you know, in huge fashion each of their matchups last week. I, I think they're they're kind of clicking again after that mm-hmm. letdown against the Colts. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I we'll see what, what the Raiders could do here. I mean, they're they're a good enough team that I don't think this should this should be a blowout by any means. Uh, it kind of feels like it's it's trending in that direction. I mean, we got a, a spread of at least a touchdown. Uh, in this game, but Hunter Renfro back in the mix, Darren Waller. We need to see a little bit more from him. I think to, to start feeling good about that level of investment. Um, you know, he was a full participant this week in practice, moving in the right direction. I hope we get a good game here. I hope it's yeah. not just a runaway win for Casey. I have the feeling it's going to be a runaway win, but that might be, yeah. I might be biased as far as like seeing what's happened in recent matchups against right. them. So we'll see. All right, guys. Thanks everybody for the comments and questions in the forum. Thanks for listening. If uh, you're listening later, uh, but thanks for ch- jumping in the live stream. Otherwise uh, you can catch Nick and I tonight on Sirius X and fancy during the Monday night game. It's the uh, Wayland cast. We'll call it. Uh, so join <laughs> in uh, eight to 10 Eastern time. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.